Blog Talk Radio. All right. All right, yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. everybody welcome to saturday morning cereal uh the show where of course you know we celebrate and explore the themes of saturday morning television which we all grew up with and then once we look at it the right way we might realize they also grew up with us uh and you can take that as a promise from me to you who is you whoever you are who is me Dan Grimshay, and I'm going to be your host. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if the Internet is still working, because uh, we, we are, of course, social distancing here on the show, as we have been for one year now, uh, hopefully Marky is somewhere on the line. Marky, are you there? Hey, hey, everybody. Good morning. Yeah, that's Marky. It's a sweet day. Uh, also, I do believe we've at least got one other person, Jimmy. Jimmy the Gent Lazinski, come to us from the ether. I am here. I am here. I am here. Oh, yeah, coming in hot and here. Uh, all right, so we've all been introduced. Uh, and your name is? All right, thank you for that. We'll try and work that into the show. Uh, And this show, we are talking about uh, music biopics. In particular, we're going to address uh, The Independence. Uh, Just came out. It's actually the real-life story written, directed, and starring uh, the actual band The Sweet Remains about how how they got together. Uh, uh, Fictionalized names, maybe, but apparently it's a true story. And that's enough of a enough of a reason to open the door and talk about music biopics, of which there's like one or two or three out there, right, Marky? No, there's a bunch. Describe a, a bunch. There's there's a big one every ten years or so, more so lately. But yeah, music biopics have been around, baby. Well, well, I mean, I guess you got that Rami Malek Queen one. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So that one happened. Uh, um, and I guess what, what was that? Uh, Lady Gaga, uh, uh, what's his name in the Shallows? Made up, but still a music biopic, technically. Uh, the, uh, the star well, is no. born. It's yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, a so that's you a you want to stick to real music biopics? Well, I can't think of another example. Oh, except well, I would Walk say the Line. That, uh, yeah. Oh, I and, mean, and Ray. And um, well, keep on going. There's a, there's a whole bunch. There's the Buddy Holly story. Oh, Buddy Holly. Oh, Richie Valens. Well, that's, uh, yes, that one's my favorite. La Mamba. I, I, yeah, 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 okay. So that's that's, that's your favorite? 
Yeah, yeah. That's that's the one that I always think about first. It's the See, one. See, I had you, know... you pegged as a Selena guy, <laughs> but I guess that's <laughs> just ever... another music biopic. You, you... I, Not to so, be racist. You know, well, that one is probably um, that one is probably. I, no, I actually take that totally back. Um, <laughs> the the thing about the Selena biopic is that she has such a unique and horribly tragic end to her story that in itself it seems like it's hollywood creation you see or uh, at the, it's almost shakespearean like right. how she was betrayed yeah so uh, for those of you that haven't that don't know about selena she was a a a tejana um singer out of texas she didn't really know how to speak spanish but she she learned how to speak Spanish enough to sing in Spanish, and it connected with both the Mexican audience and the Mexican-American audience, which n- nobody ever could really do before. Um, yeah. And she ends up, um, I mean, just getting blowing up. Um, and she and she, she went viral like kind of pre-internet. This was pre, all yes, like exactly. late '80s, early '90s, I think, maybe. Yeah, and she got huge. Won won a Latin Grammy award. She was still very young. She was getting into fashion, and she ends up um, having a fan club. And the organizer of her fan club was this, you know, um, very troubled woman who was both in love with her and jealous of her and ends up, well, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, um, ends up, ends up, <laughs> or never her. really heard a new Selena album. Yeah. Um, she, yeah, she ends up killing her. And that is a crazy tragic story that you would think would have to be made up in Hollywood, but that really happened. And uh, famously played by JLo. And I think it, um, uh, this was probably her second kind of big movie that really showed off her acting ability because yeah. she was fantastic in this movie. I yeah, think. and also it was yeah. so it was so early on in in Jennifer Lopez's career, kind of when she was getting big, like yeah. the obvious comparisons were drawn, like breakout yeah, yeah. stars she like actually Selena, does... who was lost too soon, kind of opened the door for J Lo's. Right. Sort of like it you're, was you're right. uh, an inception cultural moment. Uh, and maybe I'm not in the place to speak about it. I was very young at the time. Well, and, you know, I think uh, one of the flaws of uh, biopics is uh, sometimes they kind of glamorize, uh, you know, the the actor looks very different than the actual person. You know, think of uh, Joaquin Phoenix playing Johnny Cash. Although he did a great job, he really embodied him. He doesn't look like him at all. Uh, J-Lo looks very much like Selena. I mean, she, she really does pull that off, like, exactly. Um, so it was... That's a fantastic uh, fact, example. And I don't think there's ever been another, at least, music biopic where the performer so physically matched right. the actual star. Oh, shit, except right. for The Doors. My God! God damn it! You know what? There's a lot more music biopics than I thought. <laughs> Jimmy, name a music biopic that I haven't. Uh, Amadeus, Amadeus. Oh, 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 Amadeus, uh, oh. Amadeus. Oh, 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 Amadeus, Amadeus. 
Oh, oh, I'm sorry, guys. What, so what technically you guys correct, about? I was just, you're really I was just actually just singing a Falco here. song. I'm about? sorry, you're going to have to uh, reel it back. <laughs> but, yeah, okay, there's one. Oh, 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 Amadeo. Is that really your favorite music biopic? Or no, that's he just had, your I favorite just, song? I, was just I, I just challenged just him to, to name a one. Bit. Oh, I had my headphones on. What were you guys talking about? Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Okay. Uh, I was wondering. All right, but okay, Marky, uh, your favorite. We'll, we'll go ahead. We'll, we'll take some favorites because we're lost in the weeds here on the Selena bit. But, okay. All right. Uh, well, your favorite a, music biopic you said is La Bamba. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is played by a Filipino American actor, Lou Diamond Phillips, <laughs> who looks nothing like Richie Valens. Really, like nothing, zero. And, uh, you know, clearly this is a story that needed to be told. Um, and the music's fantastic. And it was, uh, this was a mid eighties movie and all of the Richie Valens music was recreated by a Tejano band called Los Lobos. If you got, I don't know if you, if you can remember that, but, um, it was a very popular soundtrack. I believe it charted. And, yeah, it um, brought Los Lobos, who did who did work with uh, Richie Valens originally. It like brought them back into like the top fifty. Like they were doing mainstream specials and stuff. They they was, they had was, a very popular MTV uh, uh, video that was heavy in circulation. And it was it was huge, and I mean, I actually had the frickin' cassette. I play. I love this music. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Another case of where a music biopic ends up in real life contributing to the further story of some existing musician. Well, said, yeah, well and it Just... it clearly launches the career of Lou Diamond Phillips, who went on to do the Young Guns series. Uh, he's still a, a very successful actor till this day. He did Stand and Deliver. You know, this is like this kind of year. Yeah. This fact, like to this day, he year. is more successful than you, our average listener. And I don't think I'm going out <laughs> yeah. on a limb saying that. Yeah, and it's um, there's also some like pop culture real um real milestones for any mexican american that grew up in that time like we all had family members uh uncles brothers or cousins that were like richie's brother bob uh you guys have seen this movie and if you're latin Isai morales <laughs> i mean yeah fantastic God. character and just just incredible character incredible performance and conic moment. And clearly, if you guys are not familiar with the story of Richie Valens, he was one of the three um, uh, famous artists that perished tragically in the day yeah. that the music died in that plane crash oh, in yeah. uh, North Dakota. Buddy Holly, yeah. who had his own Gary Busey biopic, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah, the Big Bopper, who for some reason, despite being the oldest, richest, whitest guy among them, has not had his own biopic. <laughs> well, he was more of a DJ at the time that just kind of had this big hit. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, this, the, they all end up dying in this. And Richie, I believe, was only like 18. He was just a kid. Uh, and it 
gives us this incredible moment that sticks in my head is when the news, Richie Valens' mother, and I can't remember the actress, I'm not going to pull it up right now, and my God, I am so sorry about this, but she she was in a lot of other movies at the time, and uh, she gets the news that Richie Valens had died because she was listening to the radio hanging clothes in the backyard. And she hears about her son being killed, and she just screams Richie tragically, loudly, and everybody who's watching this movie, your heart just breaks yes, in this moment. It's one it's, of those old yeller moments. Yeah, when you're it's, allowed to cry. It's in fantastic. It's, and Jimmy, yeah, did you cry? Not then, no. Wow, <laughs> cold, cold, cold-hearted. Well. Yeah. Well, there but, you go. Now, yeah. did you cry watching Amadeus, or what is your favorite music biopic? I'm sorry. Uh, let's get to you. Oh, well, well, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me to the show, guys. Um, my well, thanks for chipping. I, in. I thought I'd offer three pieces of celluloid to uh, further the conversation. Uh, uh, number three. Well, that'll speed things. Would be uh, 1998's uh, The Rat Pack. Was uh, with about the Frank Sinatra and all those cats on HBO, and then I'm sure you remember Purple Rain was also a pretty good biopic. But my mm. favorite—I don't even know if you guys know this one—my favorite is uh, All That Jazz, starring Roy Schneider, about uh, Bob Fosse. <laughs> yes. You guys know that flick? I've never seen Ben Vereen's no. in it. I, through several conversations, we have discovered I do know this yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's that's a really good one, and uh, it's all about um, <clears throat> Roy Schneider plays Bob Fosse, who's directing. It's about his time when he's directing a stage play and choreographing dancers, and also trying to re- to direct a movie starring. Uh, oh, who was that one comedian that got that was getting in trouble for swearing back in the seventies? What was that cat's name? Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce, yeah. Lenny Bruce. And he was directing a movie about Lenny Bruce. And it's all about him having a heart attack and seeing these visions. And the angel of death comes to him. And every morning he gets up and he splashes some water in his face. And he takes a handful of pills. And he looks at the mirror and he just goes, it's showtime. <laughs> Starts the day. I, I, that, really, that movie really stuck out to me. That's awesome. Shay Dog? Come on. Uh, uh, well, I know, I feel like you laid the ground rules, and I agree to them, but I'm going to break them. Uh, this is not about a real band, but my favorite, my most, if you said watch a music biopic now, the one I would want to watch the most, uh, Spinal Tap. You know, the yeah. send-up. of uh, It's like the reality thing, but... They just a, have so much fun though. of what musicians are about their egos. And but tell us, tell us why your favorite biopic is The Doors, Grimshay. <laughs> you want me to commit to The Doors? <laughs> yeah, I think that's worth it. What, what can I tell you? I always thought Val Kilmer got short shrift. The guy needed oh, wow. more love. Uh, I think he. I think it completely made his career. He was. He made. He's like he's. He well, the, it's kind of hard to say that he had a full career. I he ended up playing so Batman after this. <laughs> he ended up being Batman and controversial. Doesn't matter. He's still on the island of Doctor Moreau after this, so it's not necessarily. Uh, 
But it's, that's why he didn't apparently do the, the second he was more move. difficult than Marlon Brando. Not a, it's not a direct. That's not a great. I believe he is the reason why there was a Morrison poster in every other dorm room in the 90s is because of that movie. It made and the doors cool again. we don't live in a dimension where I can prove that to be wrong, <laughs> but I would be willing to bet that if we he went looked, to another dimension where, I don't know, Tom Berenger played Jim Morrison in Oliver Stone's uh, movie, The Doors, that we're discussing, despite my insistence we don't, uh, then I think that universe, there still would have been a bunch of 90s posters in dorm rooms of Jim Morrison and Bob Marley and Pink Floyd, <laughs> just like there I was. Just, I think he, I, I mean, you have one of the mo- one of the biggest at the time directors doing this. This is an Oliver Stone joint. Yeah, and I mean, it's. I think it's a commercial success. I don't think it was very well received by the critics. Again, I, I don't was, do it any was research. received lukewarm. Yeah, but even back and, then, it means it probably was better than they but said. But he totally becomes the, he becomes oh, Jim yeah. Morrison. He does Absolutely. a great job. Yeah, he nails it. He looks like him, and he does his own singing in that movie. Yeah, that's that's him. Yeah, and it's just man, that's just crazy. And he's got that crazy tripping in the desert thing going on, man. That made that cool, which was parodied in Wayne's World too. If you'll remember that, you guys are anybody. Uh, sure, I believe you. Okay, I can't. I can't recall it right now. Which makes me happy that I did not devote a bunch of neurons of my brain to Wayne's World too. Okay, I'm a little surprised I, a I didn't, but I'm happy. Uh, we cannot count Wayne's World two as a music biopic for Aerosmith, even though they're in it. We, we can't. I'm glad. That. I'm glad we found a floor on this thing. Yeah, we did. Definitely hit a floor. Uh, but sir, look, if you want to talk Spinal Tap, that's fine. What is it about Spinal Tap? It's just because it's because funny? it's fake. Uh, it, it, it's fake. It's funny. It's got uh-huh. a bunch of lines. But at this point, we've already talked about the doors. So. Screw it. Let history believe The Doors is my favorite <laughs> biopic. I can live with that. You know what my second favorite biopic, perhaps, if history wants to record that, too? Well, I guess it would probably be The Independence. All right. Now, Out we're now. Uh, written, directed by Greg Naughton, starring himself, also uh, Rich Price and their bandmate, Brian Chartrand, I believe, Chartrand. He wouldn't pronounce his own name for us, so I have no way to confirm that. Uh, Anyway, they, in real life, make up the band The Sweet Remains. And in Mm -hmm. real life, apparently, they met more or less the same way that they present in this movie The Independence, where they have characters whose first names are the same and they're slightly fictionalized, so it's hard to say. It, It kind of toes a line, but you know what? If I can choose uh, Spinal Tap to be my favorite, <laughs> then this certainly is a music biopic. Uh, anyway, we actually got to talk to all of them, uh, uh, myself and, and my trusty co-interviewer, uh, James. James, that's me. are you that's there? Me. Yeah, uh, Jamothy, I think is what he goes by. I'm sorry, yeah. Jamothy. Uh, we We sat down, and what they told us was this, and I'll break it down for you in extreme detail. No, no, no. What? No, no, no. 
Oh, I don't shit, you you're right. Yeah. I, we, we recorded the interview. Let's just, yeah, good call. Magic interview machine, take us, well, you know where. Meanwhile, that's good. Uh, all right. Uh, hey, everybody, welcome. We are talking to the R, the G, the B uh, of the movie. Uh, so, uh, and if you guys want to take, uh, some turns introducing yourselves, I think we should probably start with Rich. Uh, Rich, take it away. Hey everyone. Uh, I'm Rich Price and I'm coming to you from Burlington, Vermont. And I'm the G, uh, Greg Norton, and I'm in Connecticut at the moment. And my name is Brian, uh, otherwise known as B and I am in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, one Westerner. Well, I'm Dan D. I'm out in San Diego, joined with Jay, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, if you want to pitch in something here, too. Hi, guys. This is Jimmy. This is the sound of my voice. All right. You guys have nice voices. Good voices for radio. Oh, boy. Oh, coming from musicians. You, Thank you. you stop. We'll handle was the compliments a, on this end, though. Was that a Homer Simpsons reference? <laughs> At this point, you can't, and most things can't not be. Uh, right. <laughs> exactly. Well, I guess. I guess. Let me just start. Uh, I'll eventually. I want you guys to just. If you hear a question you like, just respond to it. Don't have any uh, any hesitation. But I'll start specifically sure. with you, Greg. Uh, you are at least credited as the writer, director, and I know you play the schlub, Greg, in in the movie. So, <laughs> I also happen to know you come from uh, a family of actors and directors. So I'm curious if making this movie about your band is kind of your way of caving to them and uh, giving up. And now you're taking the safe track of filmmaking. <laughs> That's the greatest question so far. Uh, <laughs> I'm caving and giving up. That's very funny. Um, I don't think anybody caves and gives up by making an indie film. If they do, they're definitely barking up the wrong tree. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I certainly, it probably colors uh, this. My background, you know, growing up, my dad's an actor. His name is James Naughton. My uh, sister's as well. My uncle is an actor named David Naughton. My uh, wife is an actress and and, and Broadway uh, uh, super phenom, uh, Kelly O'Hara. So I'm surrounded by it all the time. And I started out in the theater, uh, acting, but also more interested really on the, on the, on the producing and directing side. I had a theater company in the city uh, called the blue light theater company that I ran after college. And then I got, you know, I had this other thing with music that was always really a more, um, what's, what's the word? It was a more immediate, um, creative outlet for me and when i had the opportunity to go in that direction uh, i did so i spent most of my time um more in the music direction since but somewhere always there was this interest in telling these larger stories larger than the three and a half minute uh, stories you you tend to tell as a songwriter and i got interested in what the interesting, just what the dynamic of being in a band is about, and specifically being in a band with these two characters, Rich and Brian. Um, and we've been doing this now together for 14 or 15 years. And somewhere along the way, I just started jotting down, you know, stories, uh, some of the stories that have happened to us, and then spinning them into a larger, um, a larger tale. 
And that was kind of the impetus for this. And I've always wanted to make a film. And uh, once I finally shared this with them and they actually gave it the seal of approval, um, I was like, all right, well, guess I guess we're going to do this. And it's been now a five-year uh, five project that turned into a six-year project trying to wait out this pandemic um, of just really a love I've just been a labor of love the entire time. We've had a blast making it. Um, it's obviously really hard uh, elements of this, making a film, trying to get it distributed. But the whole storytelling aspect of it, it's been total fun, and we're really proud of what we created and and happy that uh, you know the festival circuit seems to really enjoy it, and, and people will hopefully have a real good time with it. Well, uh, Rich, Brian... Did you guys have to be convinced to go along with this whole thing? <laughs> uh, well, I, I I can speak for myself. Uh, this is Brian. Um, I, you know, I think, uh, as maybe Rich can expand on, but uh, having never done a film before, um, it, it didn't seem something that would enter my orbit uh, and certainly – that's something that I was never planning for. Um, but I think, you know, I think Greg had to do a little bit of convincing that, you know, it's, it's really about kind of a fictionalized version of us. It's going to be a lot of live music. And uh, I think that that's where I was most comfortable. Um, and, you, you know, we read the script and, and, and we thought, wow, this, <laughs> this sounds like a lot of fun. So, um, you know, it was it was interesting. It's obviously a very different process than, than making music, but um, you know, at the end of the day, we got to just hang, I got to hang out with my friends and laugh and, and play music. So that's kind of how I I look back on it. And that's how Brian approaches life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think for this is rich. I it I don't know that it took any convincing other than I think just the reality of like, wow, this is actually going to happen. And then as we got closer to production, I called Greg up and I was like, Greg, I think, I think actually your character should be the lead in this, not my character. <laughs> and Greg said, what? No, it's, it's written. I, I, I'm like, I know, but like, but you are a good actor. And all of a sudden I was started becoming very aware of like, you know, this was actually going to cost a lot of money, you know, in, in relative terms. And, you know, there's, there was going to be a lot of people on set. And I just felt like, I think you've made a, you've made a terrible mistake in, 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 uh, but, uh, but Greg, if you've seen the movie, you'll know Greg, uh, strategically wrote himself out of sort of the middle 40 pages of the script or whatever it is. Greg will know exactly, but, um, because it was his intention to direct it as well. And, and so I think he, he anticipated, I don't I've actually never talked to you about this, Craig, but I think from my perspective, he sort of anticipated wanting to, to focus on directing. And so for a big chunk of the film, you know, Greg's character is gone. And, and, uh, and so that, that's why Brian and I got stuck with, uh, more lines. <laughs> Ah. So he <laughs> well, gave you, he said, I'm I mean, going to write was... it, I'm going to direct it, uh, I'm going to star in it, but guess what, Rich, it's going to be your ass on the screen. Yeah, yeah your ass <laughs> is on the line, exactly. Literally. There was a period where we, literally, we weren't literally. sure. If, literally. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there was a period where we just weren't sure if, if we were going to actually do this ourselves. That wasn't the initial plan. I think I think the initial plan 
was to maybe hire actors to do it. And then at a certain point, because really the songs um, are the through line to, to the story in a way. I mean, these are all our songs and they're all songs that um, I used as inspiration for the story. Uh, at a certain point I thought, you know, I don't really want to see actors lip syncing this stuff and, and trying to deal with it at that level. I wanted it to feel as authentic as possible. And really I'd written to explore um, this sort of character study of who, who we all are in a way in relation to each other. So yeah, when we finally were like, should we do this ourselves? Like, I'm thinking we should do this ourselves. And honestly, I was nervous about that choice too. Like these guys have not, I've, I've done a bit of acting, uh, Rich done some in college, Brian did some in high school, but no, it was a, definitely a, a leap of faith. And um, the challenge I think was just trying to create an environment where we could be ourselves and, and try to capture some of the dynamics that we just naturally have together after 14 years of traveling and being in, in some ways, uh, you know, having this strange uh, three-way marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, 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 and you guys are playing, you know, I'll say yourselves, but I think in this day and age, we all know there's like a celluloid version of anybody who plays themselves. Um, yeah. But how close are definitely your exaggerated to you? versions. Yeah. I mean, Brian, are you some sort of uh, angry <laughs> anti establishment mm. drifter? Mm. <laughs> That's, I mean, if I was to pick three words to describe myself, that's typically how I would do it. Um, no, I wasn't. You know, as uh, in you know, as you'll see in the in the film, I was I was hitchhiking. I was homeless. Um, that's not true. I was I wasn't homeless. I was I, I was living in a dumpster, but it was <laughs> a very nice dumpster. Ah, uh, no. another Simpsons reference. Um, <laughs> it is warm in Arizona, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I think I think you know, looking at the at the at the various characters, I think mine, um, my character, uh, was heavily fictionalized to uh, create a balance. I think to kind of the straight laced rich and whatever Greg was doing on screen. I don't remember. I blacked out. <laughs> whatever. <the scene>. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I, you know, yeah, no, I, I don't uh, hate my father. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't hate policemen, you know, that sort of thing. He, um, his is definitely, I think, the, the furthest stretch from reality. But I think, uh, as I, you know, have suggested to Brian before, what I was hoping to do with him was give him, because Brian's definitely the, uh, the, the, he's the most naturally funny guy in, in the, in the, of the three of us, I think. And I wanted to give him a context, put him in circumstances where he could, you know, demonstrate that. And um, in a way, the the story, I think of it as a giant fable of sorts. And so it's a sort of a super real telling of our story, a fanciful, whimsical, you know, telling of our story where a lot of the events actually have inspiration in, in real things that have happened to us along the way. Um the characters, in a way, I tried to distill us into three sort of different stock-ish characters, um, so we had a lot to work with and against, you know? 
Well, it's always fun to be boiled down into a stock character by your friend, but uh, you guys seem to <laughs> turn into your own people on on the screen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, speaking of characters, then, uh, uh, then later on, as the agent, almost like he wandered off the set of a mighty wind, comes Richard Kind, and I'm curious, <laughs> like, was there an honest to God, you know, agent or somebody in the business like that that you had to go through? Is he based Many. on a real? <laughs> or just all of many, them. many he is uh, on many, but there's one in particular. Um, Rich can tell more about this. So names will not be used to protect the guilty. But um, <laughs> when Rich had an inter, I can't tell too much about this. Uh, but this is somebody who was actually a fairly high up uh, uh, record executive at a time who was when Rich and I first started working together was, you know, trying to um, um, mold him into a certain direction. And he was full of a lot of sayings and, um, and, and things that are similar to what we have uh, Richard doing for us. And, um, you know, this Richard says a number of times, I'm going to send this shit to Neptune. And he, he would literally say things that outlandish and, and, and ridiculous. And, um, so that was definitely had real inspiration. I, I may have already said too much. Did I say too much, Rich? No, no. I, I'll just add to it. He, I remember one time he said, this guy said to me, he looked at me from across a really long conference table. Rich, I'm a song scientist. I understand songs like a scientist. And, he, you know, there was no, like, there was no air of, like, you know, irony or, or he was dead. He was dead serious. He, he really saw himself as a song scientist. And so I think, uh, I think Rich, Richard kind, uh, personified that type of character perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I believe it. And, uh, and again, if you guys are worried about being sued, uh, I'll even cut that question out, but no, 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 <laughs> I feel the whole world is aware that there are so many agents like that out there. So yeah, yes, we were hoping we, for a name, but that's all right. I don't know any person. We, we, we. Uh, it's all right. We're not worried about it because I, we've actually had the good fortune to be around a lot of people who spoke like that. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. or, or good or bad fortune. Yeah. Oh. Uh, all right, and uh, you also you mentioned how the pandemic kind of complicated this, but in looking into it, I saw this this movie was winning. Uh, festival awards back in 2018. Um, is it just the pandemic that makes it a long cycle to finally get this thing out to the public, or? Uh... Well, it's partly been. I mean, it's been a uh, it's been a long road overall since then. We we did the, all of 2018. We had a great run on festival circuits, and then we were fortunate enough to have a bunch of distributors who were interested. And then, um, you know. Quite frankly, I made a decision to try and go with a, a startup uh, company that ended up never starting up. So, oh. so that was a uh, misstep. One of uh, one of the first, really. I have to say, we got really fortunate with the with everybody else uh, involved with this. The crew, the producers, uh, line producer, we found was just the best in the world, Deroche Mate, and um, and our fantastic cinematographer Piero Basso is just he made it so easy for everybody to be comfortable on set you know working with a bunch of people who weren't actors and 
so it was sort of a hard uh, road block that we ran into there, and I had to wait for the film for about a year to get it back. We got the film back. We made our big new plan with Giant Interactive, and we were going to do a um, cinema release in New York City. We were going to do an art house run there and then a tour. Because obviously the best way for us, we thought, to promote this film is to bring it with us on tour and, and try to spread the word about it as we go around playing. But then the pandemic Were you guys going to be like outside the theater on the corner just playing the music when it let out? <laughs> like, like the uh, movie? Yeah, that uh, would have been awesome. Lesson. Yeah, it would have been good. I think that would've, that's a great idea. If we ever get the chance, we should do that. All right, but, I'll you know, have we, my lawyer we, get a hold of you. That's a good, that's a good idea. <laughs> We'll take it to Neptune. Um, yeah, <laughs> take, take that to Neptune. Take that shit to Neptune. We were we were hoping to uh, wait out this pandemic, and we've just all of our all of our tour dates and 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 just been kept getting pushed back, and they've been rescheduled three or four times now. Uh, we have a bunch starting in September that we hope will stick at this point, but um, it just got to the point where I thought, you know. We're waiting for a time when there's going to be such a deluge of noise in the film and music market that um, maybe now is a moment to try and take this out when people are locked up in the in the darkest uh, winter. <laughs> what is it? The darkest winter in modern history, uh, and give them a little something fun and, and light and some music, you know. Uh, and so we hope that 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 works, but it's definitely hard to try and get a film like this out there when we can't tour behind it or show it in theaters. Yeah. Well, we could all use it. So, uh, so, so what is the, what is the plan rollout now? Well, we really, uh, psyched that two of my favorite art house chains, uh, Lemley and Angelica cinemas, um, they picked it up for a virtual cinema run that starts on February 26th. Uh, virtual cinema, if you don't know, is these cinemas, just like uh, the rest of us, they're shut down. So they've gone uh, online, and they're still picking out films and trying to uh, be an important part of this whole process, and I think probably trying to stay alive until this is over as well. And so they're going to show it um, until March 9th when we go on a wide release. Oh, nice. I'm glad there's still a nice wide release plan that soon. Yeah, and we're doing a bunch of we're going to do a bunch of online uh, live streams, um, both showing the film and also talking about it. We have some cool like we have a, um, a whole talk back Q and A with Chris Sullivan, uh, who is one of the Emmy nominated stars of This Is Us, and also has a cameo in the film. He's going to host it for us on, on March third, I believe, in the evening. Uh, and if you want to join any of these events, you go to theindependencefilm.com uh, or just look up The Sweet Remains and find our website and such, and we won't be shy about promoting these. That's Well, there you go. That's how you ended up talking to us, sucker. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what have you got planned? I mean, I know this is a torturous time to even be talking about it, I'm sure, but... Uh, what about in the real-life band? What have you guys got planned for the future, uh, or are you just waiting to see? Well, we, we, had a, we had a release a new album actually a year ago this week, and you know, we were, were really proud of this record. It's an it's a album called Music Fills the Spaces, and um, 
we again we, we couldn't w- tour behind it. <laughs> yeah, I was say, we couldn't tour behind yeah, it. Just right um, on the tour bus and right back off. Yeah, right. exactly. But you know, it, this period has been a super productive time. Uh, we're writing and recording new stuff, so uh, I think you know we'll we'll have new music sometime soon when we can all be in a room together and and record them. So the sweet remains remains. That's good to hear. Cool. Yep, that was, exactly. That was good. Nice. <laughs> that was good. Hey, did you guys, uh, I don't know if this is more for Greg, but I kind of want to ask everybody, was there any um, other like biopic, like music biopics or or uh, autobiographical picks that you looked to for inspiration when you made this movie? Well, definitely once, you know, the John Carney film once, uh, that Glenn Hansard and Marquetta Erklova uh, are mu- real-life musicians who play. They don't play themselves necessarily in that film, but I was a big fan of that film, which I think came out in about 2007. Um, and what I really loved about that film and really totally uh, engaged and enthralled me as a movie fan was that they did their music live to you know to tape as it were um and that was just gave it such authenticity it was so different from most of the musical movies that you'll see that are all lip-synced and really carefully um produced and and scrubbed and i loved that about it and so when i was writing this and this is you know a comedy in a way and a different ball of wax but I think the basic filmmaking inspiration was the same. We tried to do as much of it in a documentary style so that we could capture things as they were happening. And all of the, all the major set piece musical moments are recorded live to, to video. You know, we push in for different coverage of things, but we'd record them there and we had two cameras. So we try to get the actual performance as much of that captured as we could with the cameras. And then we would play back that actual recording if we needed to do like, or we needed a close up of Rich here. We need to so that was kind of a, a really important conceit of the way we wanted to do this. And it was certainly inspired by um, that John Carney film. Mm-hmm. And how, how did you, um, how did you land George Went and Richard Kind? How did those, uh, the, does this come from your? Uh, yeah, as I was in, saying, I have a background in, in theater, and and um, and my dad's an actor, and uh, I, these are just people that I knew either from growing up or from New York uh, theater scene. Uh, Richard Kind, I'd worked with a number of times, and he'd worked with my theater company and stuff. And I was thinking of him the entire time writing it. I was like writing it this. I was like, this can only be Richard Kind. I can't picture anybody else doing this. And from the day he walked on set and started speaking the lines, you know, everybody was like, yep, <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, and then George Went is just a great friend of my dad's from growing up. He's just the sweetest guy in the world. So, you know, I thought he would be fun. And all these guys are just one call type of uh, good folks who are like, yep, yep, I'll be there. So uh, we had a blast working with them. Oh, well, I want you to know that if you had called me, I would have been there in a heartbeat too. But it sounds like you guys had it covered. Nice for the sequel. Well, for the sequel, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
send me my call time. All right, yeah. <laughs> the Independence 2, uh, I'll let you subtitle it on your own, Greg. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, I know you guys have been such good sports. Thank you for talking with us. Uh, and uh, I don't know if there's anything else you want to plug about the movie before we start winding this up. Um, well, well, I think you I have mentioned the soundtrack the coming out. At some point, we may do that. Um, at this point, you know, the finances uh, on on indie film at, at the moment in this operation, there's not a ton of extra money to be spent on producing <laughs> extra things until we can get this out there and hopefully, uh, you know, get some people to to enjoy it and share it. Um, I think I already mentioned, but the IndependenceFilm.com is where we'll kind of keep the story going of where this is traveling. Uh, but it, anywhere we are, Facebook and Instagram and, uh, and on our website as well, we're not going to be shy about this. We're looking forward to, you know, we'd love to hear back from anybody. If you watch the film, please reach out to us on any of those uh, social or, or website. We'd love to get feedback from everybody, and we really hope that they'll enjoy uh, the film even uh, a fraction as much as we enjoyed making it. And just a note about that soundtrack idea. I mean, all of the music... Uh, from the film we have released right so on various records throughout our career so um, right right maybe we make a maybe we make a spotify playlist of the tunes and so people can at least have them all in one place that's yeah. just one of my don't give them that idea don't give them that idea we can't yeah, no, no, mention it we don't right. need you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no well i was no. going to mention to anyone uh you know thinking about this movie it is you know about 50 percent of the movie is you know of its heart is the soundtrack. Uh, right. It is very much a musical picture. I don't know if we mentioned that enough through uh, through this interview, but uh, by God, well, that's you know you see it. You were asking about before about inspiration from other films and things, and certainly that once movie was one. But uh, we were talking about this the other day, and I'm not. I don't know if there must be examples, but I can't actually think of them of narrative features as opposed to music docs that were actually made by a band uh, and sort of about that band. I think it's sort of a rainbow unicorn in a way uh, in that world, which hopefully is, a, you know, a point of, of interest for it. I, I, I think so. Uh, and I saw the movie. I liked it. If you want some feedback, uh, you got my seal of approval. I still wanted to talk awesome. to you when it was over. That's always a good sign. <laughs> that sounds, that yeah. sounds like yeah, a uh, resounding. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so everybody, uh, if you're listening, you can check that out, a little virtual cinema style until wide release, uh, March 6th, did you say? Uh, March 9th. March 9th, sorry. Three extra days you're going to have to wait. You'll be fine. Um, and uh, I guess before we let you go, uh, do, do any of you guys have any questions for us? What's the weather in uh, San Diego? Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, sucker. Yeah. <laughs> Gorgeous. 71. It's rough here, too. So, so how do you guys use this? Do you put this into a, um, into a context with other things that you're discussing? Uh, sort of. Usually, we typically do about an hour, hour and 20 long uh, internet radio shows, and it's uh, myself and Jimmy, our producer, Marky. Uh, and sometimes a couple other various co-hosts who can join us, and we sort of lead a discussion on a theme based on uh, whatever we're covering. And this would be an episode, uh, you know, it, it would deal very much with bands, 
sort of like the opposite of the meteoric rise to fame kind of uh, trope. Well, it's, it's what I'm thinking. We're, we're probably two production meetings away from, from chiseling that down. <laughs> but in the end, it's going to be uh, like the inter- our interview is going to showcase, you know, right in the middle. Uh, and then we uh, probably make some Transformers and G.I. Joe jokes for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I hope we get a chance to hear it. Somebody sends it our way. Oh, well, I hope so, too. Yeah, we'll definitely make sure you get links and everything when it's all finished and uh, wrapped up and set, uh, sent out to the Internet waves. But uh, yeah, as, as, we're bringing this guy, as we're bringing this guy in for a landing, um, yeah. I do want to ask you, <clears throat> pardon me, back, back when you guys were kids and used to get up early on Saturday mornings and watch your cartoons, what was your favorite bowl of Saturday morning cereal to enjoy? Oh, man. Hmm. Hmm. I I grew up in England, um, and so my all my favorite cereals are English cereals. And and my kids now, though I live here in the states, uh, we we I've been able to find the cereal that I grew up on, which is called Weetabix. Weetabix. <laughs> Weetabix. <laughs> yeah, it's it's around. You see it on shelves. Here. I only know the two from my time in England as well. It's big over there. Yeah. Huh. But when I, you talk about I would, favorite, I I definitely liked sugar pops. Those those drove me uh, up the wall. I loved them, but my mom wouldn't buy them much. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. I, I was uh, I was definitely a Fruit Loops guy, just all day long. That that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> all day, starting at Fruit. six a.m. until ten p.m. at night. <laughs> yeah, literally all day. Did your mom buy them? Would she would she actually stock the uh, stock the cabinet with it? Well, here's the thing. I mean, it, this took a lot of negotiating, right, just to get the one box. But the yeah. infuriating bit, the infuriating bit is that my my father, for some reason, didn't like cardboard like cereal boxes for like in the in the pantry. So he had these huge Tupperware bins. So I'd get the box of Fruit Loops, I'd get it home, and as soon as he'd get home from work, he'd open up, like, you know, he likes this brand. I like the Fruit Loops. You know, my brother's like this. And he would combine them all what? into one Ooh. giant Tupperware. My father. Really? And you should have yeah. father issues, Brian. This is madness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Madness. Exactly. Can you? Well, this is... That's a, crazy. I, I love my father. I love my father. He's a bit eccentric. And... One other bit that the way he would wake me up in the morning to get to school, he'd turn on the light, open the door, turn on the light, take all the covers, and throw them on the ground. This man was insane. <laughs> he must have learned yeah. that. He must have learned that in the army. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. And then he then he would just leave. <laughs> good morning, good morning, world. Okay. And then I'd go oh. eat my weird mix yeah, of cereal. Brand loops. Yeah. <laughs> No, literally, it was like Raisin Bran, like muesli, like granola or something. Bran sugar loops. I thought I'd heard all your stories, Brian, but that's a new one. Well, this, you know, I'm I'm like a Rubik's cube of of gems, just little gems. (laughs) I'm waiting for you to unlock. That was good. That's good. Wow. And I can assure our listeners that when we come back from break, we're going to be talking a lot about that. 
Wow. Artisanal cereals. It's already blowing my mind, like combining cereals to make artisanal flavors. It is my brain. It was madness. It was madness. No one was happy. That's the thing. No one enjoyed the cereal. Right. (laughs) The solution that infuriated everyone. Just everybody all around shoving spoonfuls of cereal. (laughs) It was the strangest. I don't know where that came from. Anyway. Cutting the baby in half, indeed. All right. Well, uh, I guess on that note, unless there's anything else anyone wants to add, uh, I'll let you go. But if someone has another gem like that lying around, feel free. <laughs> yeah, that's that one's worth the price of admission right there. <laughs> that's the lead. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Sorry about that. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Awesome. Thanks, for Thanks everybody. Guys. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck with the release. Uh, we're on your side. Uh, we're going to try and get people rushing, I guess, to stay in and see it. Uh, and <laughs> hey, when that sequel comes around, Independence too. I'm I'm on board. Yeah. All right, we'll sign you up. <laughs> All right, paperwork's in the mail. Oh, uh, you liar, <laughs> Mr. Oh, <boy. laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, thanks, thanks. guys. Good fun. Oh, what you guys think of that little blast from the past? A little California raisins for you? Yeah, that's the shortest problematic California, a little bit. Is that the shortest but... commercial that they had? I, I seem to remember that being a real, much bigger deal back then. Like they had... I think there was just so many of them. Yeah. I, I think they were all about 30 seconds. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> okay, but, uh... Well, they must have had something longer to have gotten canceled. Right. And I want to mention that just to be on the right side of history. <laughs> well, maybe, but, you know, famously they use music, uh, you know, I believe it's The Temptations. Does that sound right? For all you music, that music buffs that but, tune in, yes. The, uh, probably is always good <laughs> to hear on a podcast. <laughs> I think that's who it is. Which, weren't you were just saying uh, off yeah. mic that The Temptations was your favorite music biopic as well, so that's uh, kind of ironic. Ooh, I don't think way that, to bring it back. That's right. We're, we were talking about music biopics. We am were. I, am I yes, wrong? That's right. We were. Um, and I actually, I, I have a very, uh, just just so that you guys know the the scope and importance of music biopics, I pulled up a list on IMDb. I want to go through a few of them with uh, with you guys. Can I get a little IMDb reading music? Oh, you need me to cue the band? Please. IMDb reading. Oh, yeah. Read that database. I forget. Ooh, I, I forget. Yeah. I forget how long that goes. Thank uh, you. So, yeah. <laughs> so here is the list as uh, defined by IMDb. Um, this was the list, and Amadeus got number one. Was there's one for Jimmy? Thank you. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Walk the Line, 
Straight out of Compton, which I just saw um, less than a year ago for the first time, and it's fantastic. Uh, Control, which was a profile of Ian Curtis from Joy Division. Um, I what? hear, yeah, yeah. Wait, what is this? I mean, this, I'm vaguely familiar is, with all that. What is this list? That's that high Mark? up. This is a I, list I on IMDb of the highest ranked biopics. So Ray By gets number six. Yo Mama. Uh, Shine, which I believe uh, earned um, Jeffrey Rush an Oscar for. Yes, uh, yes I think so. La- the name of who it was about, less famous than Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, David Helfgott is the pianist who he plays. Uh, La Vie en Rosa, or Rosa, uh, I'm sorry, Rose. Actually, let me just go, let, let me just go back yeah, just a second. Skip back to the ones I know. So, Amadeus. Oscar, Bohemian Rhapsody, Oscar, Walk the Line, Oscar for some of the actors. I don't think it got Best Picture, but maybe it did. Um, I don't think Straight Outta Compton got anything. Ray, Oscars. Shine got Oscars. Uh, Lavia and Rose got an Oscar. Number nine is Coal Miner's Daughter. Got that's that's the biopic for Loretta Lynn that got an Oscar. <laughs> Oprah's just, um, Oprah's just on stage giving out Oscars to these biopics. They're just all over. Um, Love and Mercy. You get an a, Oscar. You get an Oscar. Right. Which was nominated but didn't win. Uh, Immortal Beloved. Um, what about all What's that Love jazz? Got to Do With It? Which got oh. a nomination for Angela Basket, which is the biopic for Tita Turner. Do you guys get yeah. where I'm going with this? I mean, uh, that that we should make a... Music biopic. I'm uh, with you. Yeah. I think we listen right now. to our friends, the Sweet Remains. <laughs> they talked about how, like, ah, you know, it was a labor of love. I feel like we can labor of love. I feel like we can basically make our own. I don't know. Do you, are you guys musical at all? No, I, not at all. Hello. I like to eat the uh, musical fruit. Oh. That helps. <laughs> yep. All right, that seals it. Uh, we're not going to make a musical biopic. No, but I think. But what if this we is were, showing, how, how could we? Right, and I think what this is showing us this just this partial list is that uh, when you have the right formula, um, a music biopic can really bring out. A, can really bring a lot of attention to the performers and the creators that are involved. And maybe it's because the music that tell a lot of the story itself, it kind of brings you, uh, it kind of adds the character into the movie. And so that's why I think one of the things that you need that is essential for a music biopic is good music. What do you think? Well, I well, do you mean like like the movie has to kind of be a musical? No, I just mean that you have to ride on the emotion that the music brought to the culture, uh, to the artist, you know, and how it spoke to the times. the The movie has to capture what the music spoke to. All right. Well, since I got I got kind of stuck with the doors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got to say that maybe Oliver Stone was the best at that. 
Because holy shit, did he kind of redefine the 60s yet again yeah. in the early 90s for us with that movie. I think you're uh, right. Call me out if I'm a liar. I, I, it sounds like you agree with me. Jimmy, what do you think? I think you're a liar. Or are you sticking with I think you're a liar, but oh, not yeah. about this. That's what I think, first of all. And second of all... Uh, They're I, all your kids. I think I kind of agree with Mark, but like as an example, Bohemian Rhapsody, I didn't really care for that, but I love, absolutely love that music. All those songs are a part of my DNA from when I was a kid. So that music got me going through the movie, and every time I was like, ah, oh, this kind of stinks, I'm going to turn it off. One of the songs would come on, and I was like, oh, yeah! <laughs> but, I think you're uh, absolutely speaking, right. Speaking to like good music, again as an example of my early one of my earlier biopics, Purple Rain, for me back in the '80s, that was some mm. good music that got you through a, a, a half biographical story of uh, Prince Rogers Nelson. Mm. You know. Now and I see. I never thought it was that biographical. It feels like he's such a performer. That he's creating a new. Well, I think all those uh, things happened, but maybe not in such a dramatized way, like his mom and dad, as I recall reading about it in uh, Sixteen magazine back in the day, um, that his mom and dad didn't get along, and those fights happened. And when his dad died, he, after his dad committed suicide, I think he found those songs and he tried to play them, and that was some of the oh, inspiration yeah. for some of his music. You know, as far as driving around a purple motorcycle and banging those big titty chicks hmm, in high school, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. He probably did. I, well, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, given I'm, who am I to say? Who am I to say? He did. Yeah, you're right. He did. <laughs> he, did. he did. Who am I to even who am I to even give a whiff of question to that? <laughs> All right, so so that's that's part of it. A, well, a good soundtrack. I guess that's sort of a no-brainer mm-hmm. in retrospect. But then you also have like the so there's biopics like, and then there's jukebox musicals where they, where you know where they play songs that tell the story, like they commandeer existing songs to put in to tell the story of a musical. Like the uh, Elton John movie that, Ooh, that just came well, that, out. Well, that would be a jukebox biopic. Yeah, I movie. think you're probably yeah. right there. Because I was going to bring up right. like uh, like Jersey Boys and that uh, 80s rock one, I already Age of Rock. Yeah, Jersey Boys. That, like that was those the one are, I, Like when those yeah, are yeah, movies, can, you know they're yeah. taken from uh, musical theater. And musical theater does right. that. That's yeah. its its mechanism is to use songs to tell stories. So that one's sort of forgivable. So I don't know if we can include Jersey Boys as a true biopic movie. That That is on the list. Yeah, well, they're going to put again, that I one think on that's the, the list. Jukebox and biopic I bet movie, if you right? read far enough down, you'll find uh, Spinal Tap on the list. No, you don't, no. because that's not a biopic. Look under uh, mockumentary. But Jersey Boys is because it does because tell the story of the Four Seasons. It tells the story about Frankie Valli. It, it, and it it also goes into the story, which I think you see in a movie like Bohemian Rhapsody. There's there's usually, in any good biopic, there is the montage where they create one of their signature songs. 
in Bohemian Rhapsody, it's them creating the song yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, they're, they're, they're like nose. in the studio. They're throwing around ideas. Yeah, very much on the nose. But almost every musical biopic, um, there's always that little, yeah. and again, all, almost, there's that little montage where they where put they together yeah, the song and kind of code. Yeah. Or something. He, he right. said almost. Crack the code. Save your life. <laughs> yeah, almost, almost. Because um, I don't think Amadeus had that. <laughs> and by, by the way. Uh, that was at the uh, after that credits is, scene. I don't know if you stuck around in that That one probably takes on a little bit of a different kind of spin because it's not, it's very, very far away from the truth of the story of Mozart. Well, it's actually, um, yeah, and it's easy it's, to argue it's the story of, and this is why F. Murray Abram got the Oscar nomination for lead actor. It's the story of Salieri, a man driven mad. I think he mad. won it, actually. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the yeah. story is told by Salieri, so it doesn't necessarily have to be historically accurate. Yeah. He's yeah. A, as as You're we right. say in the industry, an unreliable narrator. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh-huh. I might even just be a stickler here and say. That's not really Marquis' definition of a musical biopic, because it's a movie about Salieri <laughs> talking about Mozart's music. Yeah, but it's well, Salieri was a musician also. He was just inferior, so it's still about a Salieri or Mozart. Yeah, no, you got to choose well, both now. Of them. There's no biopics about two different musicians. Well, it's not called Salieri. I'll give you a hint. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, give you a hint. I mean, give you a hint. but the main actor is Salieri. I believe so, uh, wasn't. Uh, listen, I just enjoy wasn't Mozart's middle name Amadeus. But That's Tom Holtz was I, nominated I, you know, I think for that supporting that was actor, playing Amadeus. So you tell me, is it about uh-huh. him? Uh, it is about him through the eyes. Then of, why was he the supporting actor? Because he had less screen time. His agent wasn't as good? Because <laughs> you don't fuck with F. Murray Abram. That's the takeaway. <laughs> there, um, I think one of the more creative ones on here was a movie that I saw in a theater. It was in 2014. It was called Love and Mercy. And it's about the Beach Boys. And it's about when they created their Pet Sounds oh. album. And what they did in that one is that they had John Cusack play Brian Wilson in his older years when he was trying to deal with his um, uh, his his abusive manager and well all of documented that. documented troubles. And then, right, and Paul Dano played a younger version of him when he created the Pet Sounds album dealing with a very abusive father and situation. So in one movie, you get two guys playing well, the same character. Well, that sounds more like a character and study than necessarily a music biopic. Maybe I am no, starting to get a little yeah. nitpicky here. Well, no, it's telling the story of Brian Wilson, who did music. So it's or a it's a character study on Brian Wilson. <laughs> Well, I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. Uh, yes, you, know? you could be right, if it's a good movie. Like Raging yeah. Bull is a um, character study of Jake LaMotta. But there's yeah. a lot of boxing. It's also a... So it's a yeah. sports movie? It's a boxing biopic. Yeah. 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 Sure. It's all have you things. Have <laughs> you guys seen Stardust, recently released Stardust, a biopic about uh, David Bowie? 
No. How is it? Have I haven't it? seen it either. I understand no, it's available on Hulu, but it's it's I'm no independence. It. It's no independence. Way <laughs> no to bring it back around. But if you are interested in well, David and, Bowie, you can check out his new movie, Stardust. <laughs> Pronounce it right, Jimmy. It. I don't know if he's in it. Stardust. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, I think another one that, that kind of goes along these, um, I think another one of these kind of borderline music biopics, uh, another style is when it's kind of playing homage to the life that you're hinting at, <laughs> but it's not directly a biopic. Well, that's more rocket. A good example of this is Eight Mile, which is on the list. In this case, Eminem is the actor who's playing a fictional character telling a true story about the actor. Well, I would say a better example <laughs> would like be Rain. The Independence with the Sweet Remains, like Jimmy said. Yeah. So yeah. that's so, more yeah. so you're yeah, trying to define all... a subgenre of the music biopic. Right. This is within where the, music the actual biopic. artists play fictionalized but reality-based versions of themselves. All right, let's of come themselves. up with a clever name yeah. for that, and then we'll call it a day. I have n- uh Yeah, but, you know, this is a this is a very, very, very long list. It's uh, uh, music, music biopics. They've even, I would say, had a little renaissance lately. I think they're probably going to ebb and flow, you know, like the next, you know, there's probably going to be a Taylor Swift one in a few years. There's going to be a... Ariana Grande one coming, you know, like these things are going to go on forever. And um, uh, hopefully they are to celebrate. I mean, yeah, um, as long as they keep making musicians, 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 (laughs) (laughs) and hopefully they're going to to celebrate their. (laughs) I mean, we we didn't even touch on the Glenn Miller story. Oh, don't get me going on Glenn Miller. That's a whole other. As a matter of fact, listeners can catch me and Jimmy's other podcast. Glenn Miller, what you gonna say? Uh, I think we're about 150 episodes deep. They come out twice a day, <laughs> so we've only been doing it for a little while. Yeah. There's a lot to cover with Glenn Miller. Whole, yeah. I mean, he had a whole orchestra, but I don't want to get lost in the weeds on a reference no one gets. Jimmy, you tricked me into that. Well, he was, uh, you know, he was depicted with various degrees of verisimilitude verisimilitude, including the uh, success of early jazz band arrangements, his departure from the Broadway pit, and sideman work to a front band of his own. So the failure of his own band on the road and the subsequent reforming of his successful big band and the establishment of the Miller Sound as typified by the Moonlight Serenade. I mean, that's all in all right. it's all Clearly in at this point, we need it's a retroactive uh, wiki reading. It's, uh, it's all in <laughs> the Glenn Miller story. I don't know. Wiki reading. <laughs> Wiki reading, wiki reading, wiki, 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 wiki reading. Yeah, that's right, Jimmy. You wiki read us. Uh, but number 20 on the list is a movie called Lady Sings the Blues. And um, have you guys heard of this? Have you guys heard of this? Uh, Lady Sings the Blues? Have <laughs> <laughs> you seen this in the news? Lady Sings the Blues? Is this uh, all the recent newspapers? Uh, have you seen this? Listen, uh, I wish I had seen about, something about, about it. Uh, but Ross, honestly, right? Marky, my eyes are swollen like a bee sting. Ah, oh, gosh, dang it. You, 
That's a brilliant. That's a brilliant joke, my friend. That's a brilliant joke. Why is it a brilliant joke? Because this is the story about Billie Holiday, everybody, and he's referencing a Bono lyric. There has not been a biopic of U2, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but uh, yes, <laughs> well, the Academy Award-nominated biopic of the legendary Billie Holiday arrives on Blu-ray for the first time ever. Actually, it's out right now. It, it dropped in late February. See it, in, see it on Blu-ray before the debut of the highly anticipated new film, The United States vs. Billie Holiday. That is a new movie. I don't think that's out yet, but get prepared by seeing... Diana Ross gives a tour de force debut performance as legendary singer Billie Holiday in a classic drama, Lady Sings the Blues, arriving on Blu-ray for the first time ever already on February 23rd of 2021 from Paramount Home Entertainment. Nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best Actress in a Leading Role for Ross, Lady Sings the Blues brilliantly captures the essence of Billie Holiday, one of America's most loved and memorable blues singers, filled with the greatest songs of the incomparable Lady Day. The film won Image Awards for Best Motion Picture, Best Actress Ross, Best Actor Billy D. Williams, as well as a Golden Globe for Ross as the year's most promising newcomer female. Richard Pryor also stars as the unforgettable Piano Man. Uh, Lady Sings the Blues includes the following previously released bonus content in standard definition, commentary, exclusive content, all kinds of stuff, including Motown founder Barry Gordy. You guys, this is uh, this is one of those um, this is a big event in pop culture that I think you know we kind of missed out on. Uh, but in 1972, Richard Pryor was a stand-up comedian. He was not taken very seriously as an actor, and this movie made him an actor. Um, and I, from what I understand is that they basically had to rewrite this movie and focus it on him. So he started off just kind of being added, and then his performance just started to impress, and they started to just give him more lines, give him more screen time. And in that following edit, he got a... Uh, uh, starring role in that movie because of his performance. So if wow. you guys just think he's the lady sings if, the if, blues if you, got re-edited so much that a man starred in it. Yes. Well, he got no. It was still starring Diana Ross, and she got nominated for an Oscar for this. But you know, if you guys thought that Richard Pryor was just the funny man, well, he ended up being the piano man in this movie, and he really, really kicked ass. And um, we actually have a copy of this that we're giving away. So, what, uh, what I'd like, yes, For absolutely, real? everybody. So, um, this is the Blu-ray. Well, let's cue uh, the edition. giveaway music. Do we have giveaway music? Oh no, I guess not. Okay, oh. well, we'll work on that. Let's give okay. this away first. <laughs> so, yeah, I want you guys to, to uh, send me a tweet at Stay Classy SDCC and tell me what your favorite music biopic is, even if it's not Lady Sings the Blues. Uh, no, I say it has to be something we didn't mention. We mentioned oh, about, about 25 in this episode. <laughs> so, so think of the most a. obscure music yes. biopic. Send it, send, send it to us, and we will send you a copy of Lady Sings the Blues. I had such a good time talking about music biopics. How did you guys feel? I had a great time, and I'm, I love that we're giving this away. Uh, and again, I want to say send us your deepest cut, and we're going to have Jimmy the Gent analyze it for how deep your cut is. Right. He's our deep cut expert. Right. The, so, so know what's love got to do with it. <laughs> Know the runaways. 
Oh, Jimmy's taking some uh, stuff yeah. off the table. Yeah, he, you can't he's just killing go through we, IMDb we now like Mark no tried to No miles ahead. Might as well take off Ray and the bird off of there. <laughs> Shay, end this show before Jimmy kills my content. Well, I don't know. I mean, do you guys think, have we gone far enough? I mean, honestly, if you ask yourself, honestly, has this really been enough of this? I think it's enough of it. Could be enough of that. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this.